0: Welcome to the Neutral Ground Podcast. This week, my guest is writer, podcaster, and business owner, Nick Gibson. Nick is the founder of Phoenix Press, a comic book publishing house. Additionally, he also writes for and manages the team behind the two comics that we're gonna discuss in this episode, Project Axis and 2100 Samurai. For our conversation, we touch upon topics that range from the inspiration to create comics, and the feeling that you have something creative inside of you that needs to get out into the world. We also discuss the art of character development, and what it means to write trusting people. We also spend a bit of time talking about the importance of freedom of speech for writers as well. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nick Gibson. Nick, thank you for being here.
1: Pleasure to be here. Happy to, happy to have, have you on. <laughs> Sorry, I pulled that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's totally fine. It's great. Um, Nick, do us a favor and tell us a little bit about your first experiences with comics and kind of what drew you to uh, to those things, those specific storylines.
1: Uh, well, I've been a, a lifelong fan of the media. Um but in terms of like Pacific comics that have kind of drew me in, I'd say, I'd probably say the the new Teen Titans, in particular the Marv wolfman George Perez run, is really what was kind of what got me into comics, like full stop. I've always been a fan of, of, of like Batman, Nightwing, Titans, a little bit of X-Men and, and, you know, some Spider-Man here or there. Um, it's just, I guess as, as far as what draw me in, I guess, uh, the, Heroics and the uh, valiant pageantry, if I wanted, if if I was feeling poetic.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, this idea of heroism, I'm always, my audience knows I'm always talking about heroism. And um, part of my own research actually dives into how we narrate heroism, which is why I love comics and why I wanted to speak with you today and have you on for my audience as well. Maybe I can ask you then, what do you think? Why do you think it's so important that we have heroes, especially today?
1: Well, there's always kind of been a need for heroes throughout history. I mean, I mean, look at Greek mythology. It's basically just a comic book, comic book pantheon, if you think about it. Um, you know, there's always kind of been, whether it's, you know, I mean, the 12 labors of Hercules, That is, that might as well be a 12 issue, uh, story arc right then and there, you know, not just Greek mythology, Roman, Egyptian. All cultures have their mythical heroes, whether it be Thor, you know, Shiva, you know, or, or even like all the japanese monst- you know, the japanese monsters at the you know, fables. We have always uh, we as a culture as a as a race have always kind of like used stories as a medium to exchange information. Like for example the the uh, in japanese mythology there's a kappa which is kind of like near rivers and it takes children who go near close to the rivers. The whole purpose of that story is to make sure the kids don't play near rivers. And I always and I I kind of fascinating that they use the the method of stories, you know, or even like uh, the grim fairy tales, Hansel and Gretel, all those other ones. We communicate morals, messages through stories. I mean, oral, that's the reason why we have a whole thing called oral tradition.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and in some ways, comics have, especially for the past, let's say, 100 years or so, comics have been. The one place that has been able to to keep the importance of those stories, right? To keep those values, they always seem to have. They still always seem to provide us today with some sense of the of the hero and why it's important for us to have that kind of belief in in heroism as well. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right about a lot of what you said there. Well, let's dive into to your own work a little bit here, and and I, I read. Project Access, and I, and I loved it. And specifically, I don't want to give away too much because I want our listeners to, to get their own copies and enjoy it. But the first thing I want to ask you about with it, though, is it kind of opens up in a really mysterious way. The hero doesn't quite know what's going on, but Gile, as we know him right now, Giles feels like he needs a sense of purpose. Like, that's the first thing that he has to do is find purpose. What do you think it is about that particular storyline in humanity that we keep returning to it, this idea of needing to find purpose?
1: Well, it all kind of comes back to the eternal question. What is the meaning of life? And and to be perfectly frank, the answer is whatever you want it to be. That's my personal opinion anyway. And, that's every person who's ever lived have has at one point asked themselves the question: What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose for being on this floating rock in space? <laughs> you know, and there's nothing more tragic than a meaningless existence. We want to believe that our time on this planet had meaning. You know,
0: yeah, and there there is a, a almost a special kind of horror. In, in having that meaningless existence, right? Like in, in some ways, many of us, if not all of us, have had moments maybe where we've questioned our purpose and, or what is the purpose, let's say. And I think we can all agree that those are, are not particularly good moments for us, right? Purpose drives us to be better, to look for better things in ourselves and better things in each other as well. I'm, I'm curious- It's the reason what, why
1: so many people oh, join cults or, oh. oh, sorry, I was oh, talking yeah. over you.
0: No, 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 you're, you're good. We can go in that, that way as well. It's, it's, it connects very much with what we're saying, too, this idea of, of cults, because what, what is it that cults are able to do for people is provide story, right? And purpose.
1: Provide meaning, provide existence, provide community, and, and cult leaders particularly prey on those type of people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's strong. It, it, it's a, it's such a strong pull when you don't have meaning in your life. If for anyone who can offer you, uh, we'll use the term easy and easy access to meaning. If someone can offer that to you, we can certainly understand why someone would take it. And so I think you're right that maybe also what we're talking about here too, is, is that pull of narrative structure and meaning is, is so powerful that, we are willing, many of us, to give up our own personal narratives and structures if, if we have someone there who can provide maybe more, a more stable one in the moment. I'm, I'm curious about, with, the, with our character here, our hero, you know, Gile, can you tell, tell us a little bit about where that character came from with you? What were you thinking about when you started creating the character?
1: Well, uh. Gile, I'm going to be a bit honest, he's a bit of a self-insert, he's a, you know, the the story is, is, is semi-autobiographical, I'm not, I'm not saying I have, I'm not saying I can do all those amazing things, but just kind of like, the things that drive him, the things, it's kind of a, you know, kind of, kind of a thing, so I've put a lot of myself into that character, and kind of like, you know, thoughts and dreams and hopes, and kind of just my, measure of reality, if you will.
0: And and I mean that's oftentimes that's how we relate to other people as it is, right? We think about ourselves first, we we engage ourselves in some kind of reflection. And then we we use that understanding of ourselves to to gain access to others, to interact with others. So I'm not surprised that that there's a part of you in Gile here. Was it was it a difficult character to come up with? In other words, did you have to really reflect a lot on yourself before you could put that, you know, let's say pen to paper, even though it probably wasn't a pen, but still.
1: <laughs> well, one more fingers to keyboard. Uh, Cause the interesting thing, and this is, this kind of informs a lot of the character Project access was, cr- was created right after I graduated from high school in like 2006, 2007. So it was kind of that kind of era of me that, that kind of informed the, the core of Gile. You know, me, like, 10-plus years ago is, is really who Gile is, kind of the person just just graduating from high school, kind of in that limbo of, like, I'm going to go to schooling, but I haven't gone yet, you know, kind of thing, and, like, not knowing where I want to go, what I want to do, and being pulled in these different directions, and kind of wishing just for a clean slate and just, you know, an arrow pointing and say go this way.
0: And, and what was it like to actually see something that came from you finally hit the, the pages or become alive and get get birthed out to the public? What was it like that first time you saw that, that comic?
1: I swear it was as if the comic was emitting light. Because um, even though I created it and a lot of these issues were written 10 plus years ago, it wasn't until only really a few years ago that product access what did come to fruition and when i first held that comic I, around 2018 or so it was it was like Ooh, you know it's kind of like that kind of feeling <laughs> yes and and i had a similar i had a similar feeling with my second comic book samurai when i held that one it was a very similar feeling it was kind of like the long fought road is finally over i did it you know kind of thing
0: and did you have times during that that period where you thought, you know, either you thought this isn't going to happen or, you know what, forget it. I just I give up Were there? did you have those times there?
1: I mean, for the longest time, I had given up on product access. It was kind of hmm. I was still attached to that company, but I was, it was kind of in limbo. Uh, it was only really an opportunity came up where the owner, he was trying to do another push for his company. And I had an artist that I worked with on a previous project, not related to comics, but that was more in the video game field. And he was willing to come on. And it just kind of happened from there. And all the pieces kind of fell into place. But it was like 10 plus years. I had to wait before I even got my shot.
0: And how did you keep yourself? Because I think this is a story that a lot of people need in their lives to hear. How did you keep yourself then motivated to to stay attached, even though you said it, it wasn't really there, you had that moment where you were like, I, this isn't going to happen. There was must have still been a part of you that felt like, you know what, this needs to get out there, though. How did you keep yourself motivated to do that?
1: <sighs> well, honestly, it's just uh, the owner and me had kind of developed a friendship, and that's kind of what really kind of kept us together those years. I kind of pursued other things. Like I tried to go to college for animation mm. that didn't really work out. I mean, I got an associate's degree, but didn't really pursue it beyond there. Um, it was still kind of on my mind here and there, but it was really, I, I was attached to this video game project. And then that kind of didn't go that well. And then when the comics, that's kind of what sent me on this path. And I started writing again, you know, I kind of like, Hey, I forgot how good I am at this. You know, it's like, it, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah and then uh i left the company and that kind of just gave me the lit the fire under my belly to be like you know i'm going to do this and that's kind of i've been riding that train since
0: you said you it, you leaving the company lit that fire in you is that even to a degree your kind of moment of of kind of call to heroism that now this is on you you got to go do this yourself yeah
1: the the way the way that it kind of happened it's a bit um are you familiar with the? There's an episode of Futurama where, like, Bender's doing, like, a theme park. He's like, I'm going to create my own theme park with Blackjack and Absolutely. Ladies of the Night. You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep this PG. Um, exactly. You know. But it's one of my favorite um,
0: lines. So, <laughs> yes, <it's,
1: laughs> I go ahead. So, it's so basically my march, my marching motto was, I'm going to create my own company with Blackjack and, <laughs> you know, um, and so that's based, That was basically my my marching motto. You know, yes. black jacket, and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. You know. Um,
0: yes, I know the exact. <laughs> and, and That line. was
1: basically my rallying cry.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I that's know. I'm just trying to
1: keep this PG. I'm trying to keep this PG. So, I
0: appreciate like, you know, it, but but um, those of those people who know the line that you're referring to absolutely are laughing with us. <laughs> yes, because they know that the sentiment there. That that's yeah, fantastic. So it's like,
1: you know that was that was my rallying cry. That was mm-hmm. my ra- rallying cry.
0: That's great. It's so, you know, it's so difficult too, because we all have these kind of, I guess they're sometimes they're called these gut check moments when you have to, everything seems so low in the, the, hero, the hero's journey to a degree, and you have to find a way to keep that idea alive and to keep moving forward, even if, if it's only you. You're the only one who believes in that idea. So it sounds to me like you really yeah. were able to keep that going. And that's kind of, that's pretty wonderful.
1: Yeah, this I I I kind of liken it to life forcing me down a certain path because even leading up to this, I was getting really frustrated, and I was talking with my artists about forming my own company. Like, so it's not so it's not like this idea was new to me. You know, even before I left, I left the company. I, I the the talk had been had, but my thing was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here, learn some more, and when I'm ready, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna do it. But Life decided. You know what? You're ready now. Boom.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, sometimes uh, we need that. And yeah.
1: uh, turns out I was.
0: Yeah, and and I wanna I wanna talk with you about about your company as well, Phoenix Press. Uh, when we let me ask a couple more stories about this about the the um, Project Access story though. Something that stood out to me was you have at the very beginning two characters, Joe and Phil, and not to give too much away uh-huh. about them, but. What I found to be interesting was, normally, when we have kind of heroic characters who are trying to find their way, there's there's a high level of distrust in others. And yet something about Joe and Phil, these two characters, Giles trusts them right away. And I'm curious, do you have a thought mm-hmm. behind going that route by saying, "I want to have this kind of trust?" right away as opposed to the usual distrust was there anything behind that
1: uh i i mean i would like to uh claim that i'm some thoughtful artiste and say oh i have this grand plan and i had this whole thought process but but no i needed to move the story forward and that's how i chose to do it and it's really as simple as that i'm not gonna cl- i'm not gonna claim to be something i'm not
0: <laughs> no that's totally fine absolutely and it, it but just i will
1: say this though yeah, go ahead. Uh, Phil and Joe are actually based off of my real-life grandparents. So that that did kind of inform a lot of their characterization was was uh, my real-life grandparents.
0: Well, that that's fantastic. That's great that you you found and and I mean, I think most people do this. Most people who who write and who have some sort of creative medium, again, they they look to themselves, right? To some degree, and they take from what life has shown them so you you can see that kind of there's a, a a beautiful kind of intimacy between the two of them between Joe and Phil that you can see right away you can almost sense why a stranger would find them to be very trustworthy they're very caring in that way is that is that the element that you wanted to come through most of all you think is that caring
1: yes yeah, kind of like that elderly kind of like taking in caring for someone like that kind of element. It's a it's a bit of a trope in fiction. I'll I'll admit, you know, like lost amnesiac hero gets taken in by elderly couple and kind of nursed back to health. I'll, i mean it's a bit of a, a bit of a trope, but it's one that I, I actually kind of really like.
0: You're right in a lot of ways that it there's a trope there about it, but there's also a common I would say a common theme today too of of cynicism as well and a kind of distrust of others, right? And I think maybe that's why it spoke to me more than you might have even thought at the time when you had written it back then mm. was because there's something beautiful about it today. And of course you couldn't have known this back then, but today when we seem to be so distant, both you know for pandemic reasons and just in general at times distant, having that image of those two of that, that loving couple, the caring couple, does bring a sense of hope, at least a little bit, where maybe you, you didn't even know you were doing that.
1: Interesting. never really and thought it about, about it that way. It does kind of make me feel happy to bring joy to people.
0: We never know when we're, when we're doing that, you know, but it doesn't always happen. But I, I would say in that, for me reading this comic, I, it did hit me a certain way of how, how wonderful it is to feel that trust in others that trust in strangers because very quickly they do establish that caring connection with Gile. And it's not something that to me comes across as, a simply a, a way to move plot. I think you did a better job than you give yourself credit for here in terms of making it a believable moment with the way they speak to him.
1: I've always kind of placed an emphasis on naturalistic dialogue. Like, uh, Like I kind of go, I kind of look towards like Quentin Tarantino and how he kind of writes dialogue where it's, it's very kind of more, it flows really well. And it just kind of feels more like people, because the problem I have with a lot of movies is these characters talk like screenwriters instead Mm -hmm. of actual people, you know, the way they talk. It just feels very unnatural and some movies that's fine, but in a movie where it's in our world and it's supposed to be realistic to a degree I want my characters to talk like people. And that's kind of really where I feel Quentin Tarantino really shot. I mean, that's kind of what one of the things he's most famous for is Quentin Tarantino dialogue.
0: And it does. It comes across very natural, the dialogue, and, and connects well, I think, with with the reader. Well, let me let me ask you a little bit about not giving way too much, but what what can readers who want to keep up with the comic, what can they kind of expect in terms of the uh, of the feel of the comic or trajectory of it what what can they expect as they continue with this story
1: well uh the first the first story arc is about four it's about four maybe five issues long and it basically you'll basically see uh gile kind of go on a, a journey like kind of like the initial journey to find his his uh creator the you know the the man behind the project if you will and so things happen, and then, uh, you know, going forward, he, he may fall in with a, a group that's trying to take down Nebula Corporation. And, you know, for them, it kind of becomes a bit of a spy caper, you know, corporate espionage kind of book. I'm I'm talking very generic broad strokes here. Sure. But that's kind of where things are heading.
0: Great. Okay. And, and in terms of your second comic as well which i also had the the pleasure of reading here samurai 2100 right that has a very different feel to it but something that right away struck me was this this character of the village lore master can you can you tell me i know it it doesn't he doesn't show up for very long but i find that concept to be really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, about what that character means?
1: Well, uh, the thing is, you know, I, I say Songor is a re- is like a province, a, fic- a fantasy fictional province of, you know, kind of like a province of Japan. And it is, but at the same time, it isn't. And I'm just going to kind of leave that kind of branch sure. there for people to chew on. Um but yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, he's kind of there. He might, he knows more than about what's going on, at the village and the surrounding area more than they do. You know, that'll kind of be revealed in the future issues and whatnot.
0: And is, is the idea that the, the lore master, is it, is it kind of what it sounds like to a degree that it's someone, I think in the comic you say that he curates ideas or curates the stories. Is that something that, you think that we could use more of today because i mean the human being has always collected stories right for thousands of years we've been collecting mm-hmm. stories and we've already talked a so bit about I mean about look it.
1: at both of us we have bookshelves
0: oh yeah i mean look i am i am definitely the lore master of the basement here <laughs> i'm definitely um a collector of <laughs> stories and and um again maybe you didn't think at the time but it it struck me as something because we create so much content today as a species more than we ever used to be able to between you know social media between the internet between you know digital ways of collecting stories and yet i wonder is there something to be said for someone who can curate all of these ideas and create a meaningful coherent story for us
1: I mean yes and no but my my fear is you assign one person to curate stories uh depends on how on what, the, what your definition of curate is because if curate is is deciding what comes in what goes out I, I i'm always kind of fearful of like one person deciding what information is valid what information isn't for me information all information is is necessary for the human condition mm-hmm. like we we you know it's like you know, because I'm a very big believer those who did not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. You know, it's like we we, we shouldn't bar people from any sort of information, but instead we should tr- teach people how to disseminate the information. You yeah. know, like it's like the age of the argument. Uh Like For example, like I'm going to I'm going to enact Godwin's Law here. Mine counts. Like, yes, it's a horrible book, but people should have access to it so they know what exactly the ideology they're talking about. You know, if, if we, if we ban this stuff, and, and, and there's also the thing of like, when you ban something, you make it more alluring. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is kind of a, ta- a tangent of it, but like, for example, in Germany, uh, the drinking age is technically 18, but like, people 14 or so can drink. Their rates of alcohol consumption are a, are a lot lower among teens, because if you take out the allure of it, the taboo of like, oh, I'm 16 years old and I'm drinking, they they're a lot people are a lot less likely to consume it so it's like if you make information freely available people are not going to be as enticed by it. like ooh i want to get this banned information
0: yeah it, and you you're absolutely right in that they you know one of the things we pride ourselves on of course as as Americans is this the idea of free speech and that of course doesn't limit itself to the things that only you agree with it 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 has to be open mm-hmm. for the speech of of things that you disagree with and and maybe even more so because it's it's the idea of we have to be have, be able to have these conversations in a way that is is meaningful and you made me think of and I'm going to butcher the quote forgive me but the quote of you know when you cutting out a, a man's tongue doesn't prove him to be wrong or prove him to be a liar it proves him to be someone who's telling the truth and how the idea of the game of, of thrones you, quote is that what it is yeah i came across it
1: yeah it's Tyrion. he says when you cut out a man's tongue you're not proving him a liar you're proving that you're afraid of what he has to say
0: that's it yes oh i didn't even know that that's where it came from it's a great quote you know and it's something that that pops into my mind every so often because of of the idea of what you said that you can you can elevate something by trying to suppress it to you know the highest level of truth because it's you're challenging others to engage it in a way that maybe they wouldn't have even engaged it if if you just let it ha- let it out let it happen let the discourse happen and and see how people respond to it
1: you know the purpo- the purpose of, of the purpose of free speech is not to allow all speech uh to have its its place. But the purpose of free speech is that so you can challenge any source of speech. So, you know, by allowing one thing to be talked about one thing another, in essence, you're not banning this. You're more allowing this to reign unchecked. That's kind of how I see it. You have A A and B, you know, you bring together, they clash. It's not that one is defeated the other. What happens is, is that they kind of merge it into something better. You know, not not A or B, but it turns into C that's, mm. kind of, that's and that's how ideas have kind of shaped themselves throughout humanity is we've had open discourse, we've, we've challenged ideas, we've, we've put thought into them. And in the end, it's not that one idea, one out of the other, it's the best parts of both ideas merge to create something even better.
0: Well, you just basically said the entire ethos of my podcast of, of neutral ground, the idea being if we can stay <laughs> in the middle. We can pull great ideas from either side, any side that you want. And that's really what we need to do, mm-hmm. is pull from the best and come together as, as a species. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And when I mentioned the, the curating part, I, I think what I was thinking about is how do we pull together great stories that continually motivate us? To further humanity and to be the best versions of, of ourselves. And maybe that's a great, a great lead in to, to ask you a little bit about your company here. I, I still wanna talk about Samurai 2100, but I think that's probably the best lead in here. Because in a way, as the owner, you are going to curate stories and you're going to have a specific, let's say, kind mm-hmm. of ethos for your company. What can people who want to, to be a part of your company in terms of supporting it, reading the comics, what can they expect from your company, from the stories that come out of Phoenix Press?
1: Well, uh, when it comes to my stuff, I try to keep my comics as uh, apolitical as possible. I don't, I don't like to bring in any sort of like, I mean, sometimes I'll touch upon some controversial issues, but nothing too polarizing. I, I try to write people. I don't like for for me, you know. When they say like, "How do you write you know character from X race, S X gender, whatever?" Write them as people first. That's always been my 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 ethos, if you will, is people are people. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, women, gay, whatever. People are people, and and basically you write them as such. But it, when it does come, when I when it does come to race, I always try to be very careful with how I portray them because I don't. I don't, cause I, I do realize my, my skin color and my ethnicity does kind of, you know, like, I might, I might be ignorant about stuff. So I, I tend to like ask people who I know, like, hey, am I writing this, this character culturally correct? You know, cause I don't want to, you know, kind of step on any toe. I try to be, you know, careful. But, but for me, as a creator, I do feel it is my duty to not just have a bunch of, of white men and women running around my comics. So I, I kind of feel, me as a creator, I, it's kind of my duty to cr- put more um, people of color into my comics, you know, characters, heroes and whatnot, you know, just just, to, you know, to more reflect our, our, our actual world.
0: Sure. And 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 do you well, that that also takes me into Kiro here with with Samurai as well. Uh, um, you, you mentioned about writing about characters. What was the the mindset behind uh, behind Kiro's story? He's kind
1: of like your stereotypical, like, stereotypical hero and whatnot, where it's like he's Gala and he's, he's brave and whatnot. He's reasonably talented. He's not like, he's not like he's a dummy, but, but the thing is when he comes to this 2100 world, he's kind of naive. Like, like, yeah, he can kick people's butts, you know, and he's very capable in terms of, of, of fighting, but navigating the social currents, uh, he, he is like a fish out of water. And so, like, there's a character that I introduced called Tyler, who you'll see, like, kind of like in issue one and then more prominently issue two, where they, they kind of like are different sides of the coin. Where Tyler can't really fight, but she's very street smart. Whereas Kiro, he can fight, but like, you know, he he might get stopped by the cops and arrested. So it's like they fill each other's void, if you will.
0: And, and yeah, uh, Kiro is definitely kind of the, the, it's kind of the fish out of water story. And it's a very tough, it's a very dark world that he comes into. And I think something I wanted to ask you about was, this is maybe a human thing as well as a writer thing, why do you think it is that when we tend to write about the future, we tend to look at it as a kind of dystopian image? Why do you think we seem to be more comfortable writing about dystopian futures than, let's say, well balanced, really, really quite good futures. Why do you think that's the case?
1: Well, it's kind of a multifaceted kind of thing. There is from from a purely pragmatic point of view, uh, writing a crappy future is easier to generate conflict, which is basically the core of any storytelling is conflict. So it's a lot e- like it's a lot easier to to, to write a crappy world that cause you can create a lot of conflict from it. Create a lot of story ideas. That's from the purely pragmatic point of view. From a more personal perspective, I feel it kind of falls falls into a lot of people's cynicism, a lot of people's nihilism of, of how they see the world going. Because, like, when you look when you look at a utopia a utopian future, people look at it and be like, "Oh, that's not going to happen," you know. That's 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 that you know, blah blah blah. Because they see our world now, whereas um, a, a a dystopian future. You can actually, like, look at our world now and actually draw lines from there to there. And it just seems almost 100% realistic to a degree. Like, okay, yeah, I could see how this broke down, this broke down, and the things that are now, they get worse. Like, to, to, to a lot of people, when, when, when you look at our world and you use that lens to view the future, you know, a cyberpunk future feels like inevitable to a degree.
0: You made me think of something from one of my favorite authors, Herman Melville, who said in, um, I think in his novel Marty, he has a philosopher in that who says, far more people believe in hell than heaven.
1: It kind of reminds me of how, like, in Star Wars, it's between the light and the dark side of the force, where the light side is, you know, um, controlling your emotions. It's, it's like to say it's about the power of positivity, while the dark side is like giving into your anger, your fear. And they say the dark side is easier, more seductive, but it is ultimately corrupting. Versus the light side, it's harder to maintain, but ultimately, you know, one would say long-term more powerful. That's kind of a third debate, but, like, it's when you were when you're talking about that, that's kind of reminding me of, like, giving into anger or most, like, why do you think all these articles, they do hate bait, they do click because they want to get people angry, because it's easy to get people riled up, and, I've, and I remember fellow creators talking about doing clickbait and I said like, yeah, it's great for getting short term stuff, but it, people get burnt out on clickbait. And we're kind of seeing that now is is why all these like Vice, Fox, and all these places are starting to kind of her down because people are getting tired of of this kind of rage bait articles.
0: Yeah, I actually just had this conversation in my classroom a couple of weeks ago. It was I asked my students what. What do they think? What What's the the emotion that runs the social media platforms more than any other? And, you know, God bless them. They were like, uh, good stories, you know, happy stories. And I said, no, <laughs> the research actually has shown that it's it's anger. Anger is the thing that keeps us continually engaged. And of course, like you said, you have stories like Star Wars and even... You know, go back much further, you know, Moby Dick and before that, even shows how rage and anger can be something that actually fuels us continually. And there's always a draw to that energy that fuels us continually. But where does it lead? Well, self destruction, ultimately. And I see no reason to stop believing that today.
1: I mean, it's an et- I, 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 I like to call it an eternal truth.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell us tell us a little bit then, like you did with Project Access. Tell us a little bit about where do you see, or what can we expect of of the Samurai Twenty One Hundred world moving forward a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so Torrent Samurai is like you said, it's a little bit different. The stories are more standalone. They're they're, they're like they kind of have their kind of monster of the week, but they also have the, kind of a plot that's going forward. Basically, you know, uh, Kiro is going to get settled into his new place. You know, Tyler and him are going to go on adventures and whatnot. More of the world is going to be revealed. The enemy, that, that kind of thing.
0: Great. And Nick, I know we're, we're short on time. You have, you know, things that you have to do. Could you tell us a little bit about where people can look for your work, where they can find you as well?
1: Well, as far as my work, you can find it on Comicsology and Global Comics. And uh, Tor- Torrent Samurai, you can find it as well on Amazon Kindle. And then as for me, I am on Instagram, Twitter. I have a Facebook, but I don't really use it. But so, so like, if you want to like the Project Nexus page, go ahead. Don't really post on it anymore. I, I, I got like 600 people and I post something. Like, I get like one like, so it's just kind of, you know, you know. Yeah, but the best way to get a hold of me is tweet it. Is is if you want to tweet at me how much I suck, just do a Twitter. I'll probably <laughs> have, you know you know uh, and then Instagram. I post a lot, so there's that too.
0: Great, and and are there any final thoughts you want to leave uh, the audience with?
1: I can only show you the door. You're the one who has to walk through it.
0: Very true. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us here. It was a pleasure. Well, I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Nick Gibson. You can find links to Nick's work in the episode notes below, as well as various ways to contact him. If you found the conversation enjoyable, please consider subscribing and or following the Neutral Ground podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Additionally, I also have a YouTube channel where I not only host episodes, but also host guest appearances of myself on other podcasts as well. So consider subscribing to that as well. And head on over to the neutralgroundpodcast.com where you can leave me an email or an audio message to just let me know what you think of the show and also anything that maybe it prompted you to think about in terms of the topic at hand. As always, keep one foot firmly planted on the neutral ground and have a great day.